Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, How is everybody doing today? Okay, good. I'm having problems with my iPod here iPad. Well, uh, it's going to be a little bit different service this morning. As you notice, there's no band. I thought I would rap and dance, but I, I, got, <laughs> I got voted out of that real quick. But uh, before I get started, let's, let's recite our mission statement. Come on, you guys know it. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So you know that we're all about coming into that personal, intimate relationship with him. And the, the goal is that we become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So at this point, I'd like to release the warrior youth and the children's ministry to go back. And uh, like I said, this morning's going to be a different service. You, you notice that the band is missing. They're at the NAM show, which stands for... Uh, National Association of Music Merchants, and uh, they wanted to go out to that show, and, and I would love to go to that. That's where they roll out all the, the new instruments and sound and video and, you know, all the stuff out there, and so they wanted to go to that show, and so they're there uh, this morning. And I thought that since we're in this series of Seeking God, that this would be the perfect time to talk about worship. And you may be thinking, well, why would it be the perfect time? There's no band. We're not going to have any music. Well, it's going to play right into my sermon of today. So I'm so glad you're with us this morning. Um, over, the, over the years, we've looked at worship from a number of different angles, and we've talked about worship. I remember when we first started Life Fellowship, I taught on worship for several uh, weeks, uh, maybe a couple of months, because I believe that worship is one of the keys to this relationship with the Lord. And it's important for us to, to really understand worship, but not just to understand worship, but to live lives of worship. And so I want to talk about some Hebrew words that are uh, uh, ex ex expressions of worship. Uh, toda, it means lifting our hands and expressing thanksgiving. And so when we worship, many times you'll see people lifting their hands. It's a sign of giving thanks and of worship. Another Hebrew word is halal, and it means to give songs of praise. And so that's another important part of worship is that we're praising God. And then tehillah, not tequila, tehillah means to sing halals to sing songs of worship. And so when we come together, uh, many times we're worshiping and we're lifting our hands and we're singing songs of worship. Another word is zamar, and it means to celebrate with musical instruments. And we find that in today's culture, musical instruments are really important. And even in the Old Testament, they had uh, uh, musical instruments and music was really instrumental in the worship. And then another word is shabak, and it means to praise the Lord with a loud voice. And sometimes you'll hear people maybe shouting or, or singing loudly. And um, I find that when we have something worthy of worshiping and something worthy of praising, sometimes we, there should be some passion. Um, 
many of us get excited if we go to a football game and somebody scores a touchdown or a baseball game or something like that. And if we're going to get excited about somebody scoring a touchdown, should we have a little bit of passion and excitement about the Lord? <laughs> I think we should. Another word is barak, and that means to bless or kneel in adoration. And sometimes in worship, either on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or, or, or Thursday morning, I'll kneel down. Sometimes I'll just lay down. I'll be laid out flat, just worshiping in adoration. So these are some of the Hebrew terms that uh, reflect uh, worship and expressions of worship. Worship is more than just words. It's more than just a song. And worship um, at Life Fellowship has always been intended to be engagement, not entertainment. And unfortunately, I think in a lot of churches, there's a lot of entertainment that goes on. But, but what the Lord desires is that we engage with him. And that's what worship was designed for, is that we connect with him on an intimate, personal level. And uh, another a, a Greek word, you know that the Old Testament was written in... Um, Hebrew and Aramaic, and, and the New Testament was in Greek, and there's a Greek word for worship, and it's proskino, and it has several meanings. It means to adore, to love someone deeply or respectfully. So when we are worshiping, we are uh, demonstrating our love and adoration to the Lord. Uh, it also means for someone to prostrate themselves before the Lord and uh, maybe to lay flat on your face. It can also mean to kiss, like uh, blow kisses. You know, we think it's real cute when, a, a, when you leave and, and your child or grandchild is blowing kisses. That's another word for this Greek, uh, another expression for this Greek term. It, it, it centers around adoration and love for God. Uh, my first point this morning that I missed, I think, earlier was uh, every Christian is called to be a worshiper. We should be worshipers. And then my second point is understanding all he has done for us is the basis for our worship. When we understand what God has done for us, then it should drive us and inspire us to worship him. The concept of worship is relational adoration. That is the basis for worship. It's not about songs and music and lights and smoke and all those kinds of things. The, the basis for uh, wor our worship should be relational adoration. And uh, you, you know the story about the woman that with the alabaster jar. And in Luke, the, the woman came and she was kissing Jesus' feet. And uh, she, her tears were falling on his feet and she was drying her, her tears with her hair. And the host, a Pharisee, was watching what was going on. And he was judging this woman based on what she, on her worship. And she was judging Jesus. And he was thinking in his mind, if this man, if Jesus were a real prophet, he would know what kind of woman was touching him. And, he, and that would not be acceptable in his culture as a Pharisee because Pharisees, they knew the word of God. They were the priests. They were supposed to be leading the people into this relationship with Jesus, with the Lord uh, at that time. But they, they were so caught up in their religion and the things that, 
that esteemed them, that many of them missed the heart of God. It was never meant to be about rules and religions and all these things. It was about relationship. God was always about a relationship with us. And we know that in the garden, he would come down in the cool of the day and meet with Adam and Eve. And so God has always been about having this intimate relationship. So let's go to Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 40 through 50. Then Jesus, let me see here. Yeah. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Jesus answered his thoughts. So I want to pause here for a moment because you have this, this incident going on here where Jesus is there. This woman is crying and kissing Jesus' feet. Her tears are, are washing his feet, and she's drying his feet with her hair. And, and this Pharisee has these thoughts. He's thinking, why is this man, if this man is a prophet of God, why is he allowing this woman to do this? And so here in, in verse, now this should have gotten the guy's attention. I, I mean, if somebody is able to uh, get, understand your thoughts and know what you're thinking, but then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their deeds, their debts, rather. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And it was customary that when someone would come into your home, that you would welcome them, you would you would give them a kiss and that you would give them water or that you would wash their feet. Typically, the lowest servant in the house would wash their feet because the roads and the trails were dirty and dusty. They used the same trails and roads for animals that they did for humans. You can imagine how messy that could have become. And so when someone entered into your house, you were supposed to wash their feet as honor to them and also probably for sanitary reasons because they would be tracking in all kinds of stuff off the road, right? Um, verse 44, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. I want you to take note. Look at this woman that's kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. So he is speaking to the heart of what's going on in this guy's mind and what he's thinking about and how he's judging. And he's, you know, many times God is, uh, is getting to the heart of the matter. And Jesus, we see many times, was speaking to the heart of the issue, not necessarily trying to prove that he was right or someone's wrong. He's getting to the heart of the matter. Why? Because he loves people, and he wants to see people come into this relationship with him. He wants to see people connected to the Lord, not just have a Band-Aid over their problems, but get to the root of the cause of the problem. And he says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. And so this woman is demonstrating worship to Jesus. So consider this. Imagine that someone has saved your life. 
rescued you, saved your life, would you be thankful? What if someone died for your sins and restored your relationship with God? Would you be thankful? Oh, yeah, Jesus did. Are we worshiping him? Are we thankful? Are we understanding what he's done for us by his great love? Luke 7.47 continues, But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Someone that thinks that they are good, and I think there are a lot of people that think they're good. I'm a good person. I've never stolen any money. I've never robbed a bank. I've never killed anyone. I don't lie very, very much, you know, occasionally. But I think that can be a problem because people don't understand the depth of their need for a Savior. And if we don't understand this forgiveness that God has provided for us, are we really going to worship him? Are we going to understand what worship is really all about? And, um, so, you know, sometimes good people will reject this salvation and this relationship with the Lord because they don't think they really need it. And you probably know people. You probably work with people or, or know people in your neighborhood that, well, I don't, I don't really need God. I've got all the things that I need, and I'm a pretty good person. But we can never obtain salvation on our own. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. Let's go back to Jesus and the woman, verse 7, 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then the men, the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And we know that only God can forgive sins. They didn't, they didn't know he was the Messiah. They, many of them didn't recognize him as the Messiah. And it's interesting here, he says, and he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The last two weeks, we've talked about faith. We've talked about faith. And we talked about the importance of believing this message about God and also receiving. Because we can believe and choose not to receive, right? So the problem may be that many people don't think that they need to be forgiven or saved because the world cannot understand this kind of love. I don't think the world understands this kind of love when we truly love one another. Or they refuse to believe and receive God's love. That's probably a bigger issue where people refuse to believe and they refuse to receive. So my first point this morning is every Christian is called to be a worshiper. If we say that we have a relationship with Jesus, we should be worshipers. And then my second point is understanding all he's done for us is the basis for our worship. Um, an expression of love or adoration is supposed to be a kiss. And I know that in today's world with all the lustfulness and things like that, uh, uh, you know, a kiss cannot necessarily be an expression of love and adoration, but it should be. And so we should love one another uh, truly and purely and honestly. Um, but the more intimate the relationship, the more passionate the expression of the affection should be, right? And uh, the, the greater our intimacy is with the Lord, the greater our passion should be in worship. Let me say that again. 
the greater our intimacy is with the Lord, the greater our passion should be in worship. Understanding what he has done for us. And we talk about our mission statement all the time, that it is to develop, maintain, and model what? Personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because that is the target. That is the goal, that we come into this personal, intimate relationship with him. And it's not just about coming to church or a religious activity, but it's about engaging with him and having that personal, intimate relationship. Uh, one thing I want to mention, we, we need to be careful when we judge people in their worship. If we judge it as inappropriate, the Pharisees judge this woman's worship as inappropriate. But as we read in the scriptures, she'd been forgiven a lot. And when we understand what Jesus has done for us, there should be extravagant worship. And Jesus said that her response demonstrated much love. I tell you, verse seven, uh, Luke 7, 47, I tell you her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. She's broken an alabaster jar and poured out this perfume that was very expensive as an expression of love. She was not only giving uh, him her adoration, but she was actually giving him something of monetary value as well. Worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. And I know I've seen people that are in worship services and they're not engaged. And I, I'm concerned that in, in the culture today that worship sometimes has become just about entertainment. Because I've been in churches where people are, are disengaged. And they may, the, the band is great, the, the worship is good, but they're not engaging and that's a concern for me. I, I think that when we, get, we should understand that worship is about engagement. And I, I'll tell you honestly, I'll have a Tom moment here that stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. There are times when I don't feel like worshiping. There are times when I've been under spiritual attack, and the last thing I want to do is worship. But the thing that I found will break through that every time is when I begin to worship. Even though it's a thing I don't want to do, honestly, at that time, the last thing I want to do is hear any praise and worship music or, or begin to worship and sing. But as I begin to do that, as I make that choice, there's something that breaks. And so there's an element of power and something that happens in the atmosphere when we begin to praise and worship. There is something that happens because I've seen it, I've felt it, I've experienced it. And so there's power when we worship individually, and there's great power when we worship corporately, where we are focused, where we're giving our, our, our best, our, our worship to him. And it's not about the quality of our singing or any of that. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. It's always a matter of our heart in, in engaging with him. True worship is always a demonstration of our love for God. It should never be about anything else. It should be a demonstration of our love for him. Anything else can be pride. Oh, look at me. Oh, look at them. They're really worshiping. Or it could be out of a, a sense of religion. Worship my way. You have to do it my way. You have to dress like I do. You have to worship like I do. You have to do the things that I do. No, God created us all individually, and we are all in a different place. You know, I've seen people just crying out in worship, but I don't know what they've just come through. Amen. 
I don't know if, if they've just been saved from stage four cancer. I don't know if they've just been delivered from drugs or off the streets and prostitution. But something is happening in them. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that there are people that are authentic in worship and unashamed to go and worship the Lord and cry out to him. When, when the motivation of our heart is love toward the Lord, worship happens. It's going to be a natural outflow. And that, that can look differently for all of us. But this woman that we found in, here in the scriptures, she's not singing a song. It doesn't appear. But she is worshiping the Lord. She is thanking him. She is serving him. So serving the Lord can be a form of worship. Um, is, let me ask you to consider this. Is worship an attitude or an action? It's both. And so when you come in, you know, we have people that are serving coffee and donuts and, and the tech arts team and people sweeping the floor mats and cleaning up and preparing for service. That is a form of worship. That is a, a form of serving God. And Je Jesus demonstrated his love for us on the cross. What, what a, a form of worship. So let me ask you to consider this. What are you doing to demonstrate your love for him? Are you engaged? In worship? Are you returning to the Lord? Are you giving back to Him? Are you loving Him? Are you expressing your love to Him? So, my first point this morning is every Christian is called to be a worshiper. My second point is understanding all He's done for us is the basis of our worship. My third point is our demonstration of worship should be a real, a personal, and an intimate response from our heart. That is what worship is all about is it a real uh, authentic expression of worship that comes from our heart the the expression of worship that originates in our heart should be expressed through our lives not just on sunday morning and not just in in worshiping by song or whatever but through our life that we're living a life of worship that we're praising God, that we're spending time with him. Again, this series is called Seeking God. And I'm challenging us all to seek God on a, on a, a, a greater level, not from a religious, legalistic, ritualistic kind of approach, but from an authentic approach that we really want to connect with God on a greater level. And so spending time in prayer, we can pray throughout the day. We can spend time in worship. We can be singing songs of praise, and maybe nobody hears us but him. And so are we engaging with him on a greater level? That's my desire for us this year. And I've shared with you Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I believe it's a word for today that where the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm making streams in the wasteland and rivers in the desert. Do you not perceive that God is wanting to do a new thing? And as I shared a few weeks ago, would you be okay if it's different than what you think it should be or if it's different than what it's been in the past? That, that maybe God wants to shake us a little bit and get us out of our comfort zone and be more focused on him. Worship is connected to worth and appreciation. Worth is tied to something of value. Another way we can look at worship is worthship. He is worthy. He is worth our worship. And so we're giving to him and we're praising him and we're thanking him. I can't have anyone else worship for me. Only I 
can worship for me. I'm not saved because my parents were saved. I'm not saved because my granddad was a pastor. I remember talking to a guy one day. He was working in our garage, and, and I asked him, I said, uh, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, well, I go to church. I said, that's good. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? I don't care if you go to church. I don't care if you pray for eight hours a day. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And he said, well, not really. And I said, well, would you like to restore that relationship? And he said, yeah. And I prayed with him right there in my garage, right there, that he received Christ, that he rededicated his life to Christ. And so God is presenting opportunities for us all the time. Are we engaged with him? Are we hearing his small, still voice? Are we listening when he says, hey, here's an opportunity? Ask this guy if he has a relationship with me. And, and many times that can come through worship. I'm saved because I ask forgiveness for my sins and I accept Christ into my life. Not because I go to church and sing a few songs and nice to people on the parking lot as I drive out or let somebody else pull out in front of me. I'm saved only by the grace of God. My worship is my personal participation and engagement with the Lord. And, you know, we, we all go through seasons. And one thing I, I, I love about the Lord is there are times when, man, I can just feel his presence, just overwhelmed with his presence in worship. And then there are other times where I'm not feeling that so strongly. But it doesn't change my heart and my attitude toward worshiping. I'm still going to worship him. When I feel that heavy presence of the Lord, or if I'm just in a place where I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm struggling right now with my job or a uh, you know, situation, and I'm just beginning to praise and worship. Because like I said earlier, there's something that happens in the atmosphere when we begin to praise and worship the Lord. Psalm 33.1 says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Play skillfully. And so I appreciate the, the band that we have. I appreciate good music, quality music. Um, you know, it, the quality of the music really is for us. If, if someone is singing off-key, I don't think God is bothered by that because he's not looking at our skill sets. He's looking at our heart. And uh, I've been in services where the music was horrible, <laughs> Let me be straight up. It was bad, and uh, it, it did hinder my worship because I'm like, what are they playing? What is she singing? What is going on here? But I need to be careful in judging that because I'm sure they were doing the best that they could. But more importantly, what did God think about it? <laughs> I remember a friend of ours that's Filipino. She went to the Philippines, and uh, they went over there to minister and they had a guy with a, an acoustic guitar, and they were singing. And uh, she said the, the guitar was out of tune after about eight bars. I mean, just a little ways into the service, the, the, the guitar was already out of tune. And 
Um, but she said it was such a sweet time of worship because it wasn't about the music. It wasn't about the guitar. It wasn't about the lights and, and all that. It was about just this genuine heart of worship where people were worshiping. And I, again, I think God is looking at, at our hearts, not our abilities. Imagine that, that uh, you go to someone's house and, and, uh, for dinner and, and they have a three-year-old child and they, they bring down their Schroeder, their little Charlie Brown piano, and they're pounding on the piano and, and the parents are, oh, look, isn't that sweet? Oh, look, look, she hit a, a three-note chord. Did you hear that? She hit a chord. Did you hear that? That was awesome. And the parents would be so excited, and you'd be going, will somebody please take that piano away? That kid is driving me crazy. Yeah, that's wonderful. Please take that away from her. But, you know, the, the parents, are, they're saying, wow, this is wonderful. What my child is doing, their expression. And so as we're worshiping, we may not be singing that well. I don't sing that well. You know I can rap and dance. God likes it, okay? Y'all may not like it, but God likes it. Yes. But here's the thing. God is looking down, and he's saying, that's my child banging on that, that piano. That's my child giving their worship that sounds maybe terrible to everyone else, but it's pleasing to me because it's from their heart, and it's their expression of love to me. So I should be giving the Lord my best worship. There should be some passion. If I can get excited for somebody scoring a touchdown or hitting a home run that doesn't have anything to do with me, should I have a little bit of passion and excitement for the Lord who has saved me? Yeah. Who, yeah. who? John, John 4, 23 and 24 says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this way. It, you know, it doesn't say that it's only the professional musicians, only the great singers, but he's looking for people who will worship him from their heart. Verse 24 says, For God is spirit, so those who worship him must, spirit, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I know that today's service is really different. Because normally we have praise and worship at the beginning, and, and uh, it's been a little bit challenging for me because I'm accustomed to that. You get into worship, and it just kind of prepares me to deliver the message. And, but I, I thought this is such a, a weird time to teach on worship. I'm going to teach on worship today without the praise and worship team because I want to emphasize it's not about the music. It's not about the musicians. It's not about the songs. What it is about is him. And us connecting with him. Well, if you'll stand and let's bless one another. If you'll just stretch out your hands and bless one another and recite this with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Amen. 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 And I want to challenge you as always. Make a difference in the world around you as you go out and... Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.